Welcome to the Teachers Podcast in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. So the DfE set out its draft climate strategy recently and they are aiming to review training to ensure all teachers are equipped to deliver a knowledge-rich curriculum and improve climate education. So my guest today, Andrew Lockery, has some thoughts on teaching climate change. So Andrew was a science teacher up until he left the classroom in 2020 to run his science education company, Green Apple Education. So Andrew has also written articles for TES about science and has created content for several major publishers and some smaller education companies as well. Let's get to the interview. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me on the Teachers Podcast today. Good morning, Claire. Thanks for having me on. So you've got me out of a hole. You've come in at the last minute and you're going to talk about something amazing, climate change. Um, I think it's so important to talk about right now. Very big topic, very key to talk about it, yes. So then, I'm sure that most teachers have heard of climate change. In fact, probably every teacher has. But how would you describe it to a teacher that's never heard of it before? Maybe based on a teaching point of view as well. So climate change is a massive issue and it's basically what's happening to the world now. And we can see all around us things that are happening that weren't happening before. So things like increased flooding, increased droughts, um, very big forest fires in Australia and America, they're becoming much more frequent. And it's because the climate is literally changing because it's heating up. So it's the world that's heating up, the temperature's going up, it's gone up by about 1.2 degrees in the last 100 years. And if that continues, we will get more and more extreme weather events. So we know it's happening. It's all around us. We can see it. It's what do we do about it to stop it, to limit it? Yeah, so it's just such a, a big thing, I think, for teachers to talk about as well. So, so why is it important for teachers to teach children about climate change then? So first of all, I think it's very important to teach children about the terms. There's a lot of terms associated with this that get very confused. So things like greenhouse gases, global warming, climate change, they're all sort of interlinked. And it's very clear that we say to children exactly the science behind what is going on that is leading to climate change. So you can think of climate change as the overall effect at the end of the day. So that's why we can see climate change causing flooding, causing increased amounts of forest fires, causing temperatures that are like in the 40 degrees in Europe, which is very unusual. Um, It's caused by global warming. So we'd have to go back a step and what is global warming and why does that happen? And before we can do that, we'd have to think about greenhouse gases and the greenhouse effect. So if I can just clearly explain it to the teachers, Maybe they're not as familiar with science, but basically we need greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. We need them because they trap heat energy inside the earth and they warm it up. And without that, life would not exist. Our earth would be much colder than it is now, so we wouldn't exist. So we need to have greenhouse gases. And that effect is called the greenhouse effect. So that naturally keeps the earth warm and that's really, really good. What's happening, though, is we're increasing the amount of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere that's causing something called global warming. So it's causing the temperature of the Earth to rise 
much faster than it would normally. And that is the big problem. And it's that global warming that's leading to climate change. So for people that are not familiar, I talk about greenhouse gases as a blanket, really. In the winter, we need a blanket around us to keep us warm, um, to keep the cold uh, away from us so we feel nice and cozy. But if our blankets or our duvet is too thick, then we get really, really hot and we kick it off. And that's what's happening to the earth. It's being kept too warm. And so we need to reduce the amount of greenhouse gases we're emitting into the atmosphere. Yeah, that's really interesting because I feel like, oh, I mean, I've, I've not taught this before, yeah. um, but often we say greenhouse grasses and we think that's bad, mm -hmm. but you're saying, hmm, it's not necessarily They're, They bad. are essential. The green, I mean, a lot of people don't know and don't realize that water vapor makes up a huge proportion of the greenhouse gases in our atmosphere. Um, carbon dioxide makes up a smaller amount, and then we have gases like methane. And the problem is that methane is a really potent greenhouse gas. And because we're doing other things to cause warming effects on the earth, we're now releasing more greenhouse gases like methane from the Arctic tundra, for example, and that's heating the earth even more. Uh, methane is released by cows, for example, when they're digesting food. So eating a lot of meat means that a lot of cows are producing mm. methane gas into the atmosphere, and that's a much more potent gas than carbon dioxide. But traditionally, it is the use of fossil fuels and the release of carbon dioxide that is causing the amount of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere to tip over a point where it's just increasing the temperature of the earth much more quickly than it should be. And we've got to limit that. Yeah, yeah. I've, re I've read that about um, cows recently. And I think mm. what you're saying really is that we need this reset of how we're teaching it and making sure that we're teaching it more seriously because it's becoming not more real, but the effects are going to be sooner. Well, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think uh, 30, 40 years ago, when we realized this could be a problem, the science was a bit more sketchy and there was people arguing that, oh, well, this is just part of a natural cycle. But then there were other scientists saying, no, we've got to take this extremely seriously. Over the last sort of 20, 30 years, we've not really acted that much. And now the science is just totally on board that this is going to be potentially a catastrophe that's going to happen within like the next 10, 20, 30 years, not like 100 years away. So it's a it's an issue that we have to tackle now. Scientists say that we only have a few years to actually drastically change um, mm. our habits before it's too late. And it's not just carbon dioxide we're increasing in the atmosphere, it's something called feedback loops. Um, this is something to do with tipping points. So we can actually tip over um, this cause of uh, releasing greenhouse gases that will cause other things to like, like the Arctic to melt, releasing methane gas. And we have no control over re releasing those gases. So we will go past what we call a tipping point where it just runs where away. it's too late. Yeah, it's too late. Yeah. So we've got a chance yeah. to change it still, but we have to take drastic action now. Yeah. So, you know, at the beginning you were talking about like climate change is kind of the end result and going back and talking about greenhouse gases. Do you feel like, um, you know, in our curriculums in school, then we should be sort of going even further back and talking in more detail about, I don't know, um, for example, cows um, as, as one um, kind of mini topic and then talking about all the different ways we're contributing to climate change? 
Yeah, definitely. I think it's things that children can relate to and we need to use those hooks to get them involved and really thinking about climate change very seriously. So it is about how much meat do we consume because the more cows we have on the planet, the more dairy that we eat, the more things that are associated with farming, then that has an impact on how much greenhouse gases are being released into the atmosphere. So if we reduce our meat consumption, then there'll be less cattle releasing less amounts of methane gas. And so we will be doing something positive to reduce the amount of greenhouse gases being released into the atmosphere. I mean, scientists are also coming up with schemes to actually reduce this. So for example, they um, it's a particular enzyme in cows that release the methane. So they're trying to breed cows that don't have this enzyme. And therefore, when they do digest their food, it doesn't release as much methane as a cow would normally. So there's multiple ways of tackling this. Um, telling children about like, well, you could walk to school rather than uh, getting mum or dad to take you in the car. I mean, a five minute car journey could be like a 10, 15 minute walk. And so you have health benefits and you also have environmental benefits because you're not releasing that carbon dioxide that you would have done if you took the car. So it's mm. very like, it's things that are uh, very easy to take if we're conscious about what's happening and what we're trying to stop. And we're trying to limit the amount of greenhouse gases going into the atmosphere yeah it's almost like this is so important it's trying to embed it into everything isn't it yeah it has to be a whole like world approach it's not just us it's everybody that can make a difference and it's just small things we can do we can put pressure on our government to take much bigger and drastic action but we can also help ourselves by using our own um, like methods. So for example, I got rid of my car in uh, in the summer. So we went down to a one car household. And uh, for me, I'm walking everywhere now and I feel so much better for doing it. And I know that I don't need to take the car to say, drop my son off at football. I can walk him there. I can walk and get the children from school. So we don't need to use the things around us all the time. It's not to say we shouldn't have them, but it's just to be mindful about when we're using them and when we don't have to use them. Yeah, yeah, oh, I completely agree. Like, I uh, recycling is something mm. that's that's big for me, and I'm like, oh, why, why is there so much packaging? Yeah. that kind of thing. Um, we're going down to one car. We've got an electric car Brilliant. and uh, we've got a petrol car, but we are selling the petrol car because uh, apparently they're really wanted at the moment. Um, <laughs> Make the most and, of and it. How it might, long be, last... <laughs> might be worthless in a ten years' time. Well, this is exactly it. Um, now, whether we'll get an electric, another electric car in time, I don't know, because the school's quite far away. But it's these things that, that we do need to be thinking about. You're right. So why are you so passionate about this then? Because obviously, I think we're both passionate yeah, about it. Definitely. But go on, tell me. Um, I'm really passionate about it because I think that maybe 10 years ago, I was sort of thinking, well, I want to do something to help the environment. I want to reduce greenhouse gases. But um everyone around me seems to think that this is a problem uh, that's going to be something big in 20, 30, 40 years time. There wasn't that immediate sort of, this is an actual emergency. This is a disaster waiting to happen. And over the last few years, um, I've seen a lot of my friends and a lot of people around me thinking, well, this is not really something that's going to affect me. This is something that uh, is going to happen in 50, 60 years time, won't be around. So why should I be really that concerned? I want to enjoy my life. But having children really changed my perspective on things because now you've got to think about the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And we are custodians of the earth. We are not here to plunder the earth and then 
uh, leave everything in an absolutely terrible way. We've got to mm. think about our children and we've got to think about, um, we're just basically renting the earth for 70, 80 years time. We don't actually own anything here. We'll take nothing away from it, but we have to leave it in a condition that our future generations will be able to uh, build on the good work that we've done. And so we have the technology to be able to um, like limit some of these greenhouse gas emissions. We have things like carbon capture that will take greenhouse emissions out of the atmosphere. But the biggest thing that we can do is to change our mindset and we can change what we're doing in everyday life. And that's why I'm so passionate about it because I think everyone can contribute. It's a problem that affects everybody, but everyone is part of the solution. And the more we put pressure on our politicians like Greta Thunberg, she's done a brilliant job to make everyone aware of the science. She's not said this uh, research the science. She's just um, picked up on the science that it's really overwhelming that we've got a massive problem. And she's woken up lots of people on earth to think, yes, this is a massive problem. We now need to wake up our governments and say, it's not something you, you want to treat in 10 years, 20 years, or we'll get to like net zero at 2050. It's like, we've got to get to net zero, say in the next 10 years, not in like 40 years mm -hmm. or 30 years. It's something really much more immediate. We need to take action. And I think the more we teach children about the consequences of climate change, the more we teach them about the things that they can actually do to change the course that we are plowing at the moment. It's not the end. We don't have everything in place where catastrophe is guaranteed. We've still got time to actually limit these greenhouse gas emissions. And actually, we can pull it back from the brink. And it's about being more mindful in general, isn't it? Because it's not just about climate change. There's all all the other elements of, um, I suppose you could say, sustainability as well that we just need to be mindful of and be thinking about. And we can't we can't do everything. Um, but you know, even things like it stresses me out how much we use uh, pesticides, how much we use plastic. Yeah. And, 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 and this is all contributing, isn't it, to this just big mess? Exactly. You mentioned plastics before. I mean, scientists came up with this wonderful invention, plastics. There's so many different types of plastics, but we didn't really think about, okay, if we fill the world yeah. with plastics, then what happens? And now we're exactly. seeing the effects of it in the oceans and how it's affecting wildlife that live there. And they're swallowing little microscopic bits of plastic. And it's just affecting like the whole food chain. It's infecting the environment. And we really didn't intend for this to happen, but we didn't think about the consequences carefully enough of if we mm -hmm. roll this out on a mass scale, what actually are the effects of it? And that's what we're dealing yeah. with now. And also, I don't think I don't think we knew some of those as well. No. Like I, um, where possible, I try and store food in glass and wooden containers because I don't think many people know. But like plastic, it releases hormones. It's really not good for you. It's really exactly. not good for you. There's so many issues with it. But the shops popping up where you can just take your own container into that shop. You can fill up whatever you need, yeah. and then you take it home. And so there's no need for a single use plastic. And so mm. the more that we do that, the more we shop local. We don't travel really far for our like goods. We go and use shops that are uh, like really trying to benefit the environment by reducing plastic. Then we're doing our bit, and that's another thing that we can do. And it won't take us much to be able to like have an impact by doing something like that. Yeah. Okay, so you're a teacher listening and you're thinking, wow, Claire and Andrew are really, <laughs> really, really passionate. passionate about this. Really, I could speak for hours and hours about this. 
Um, but but you're listening and you're thinking, okay, so can you give me some ideas of little things I could I could do just to set me off on the journey? What what three actionable steps have you got that um, teachers can start to use or do to teach their pupils about climate change now? So I think it needs to be a daily or a weekly thing that you do to remind the children about climate change and how they can have a positive impact because they will go home and they will have a positive impact on their parents. And then um, we sort of start this a ripple effect where everyone's aware of the science, everyone's aware of what's happening, and we are consciously thinking about ways that we will reduce our impact. So children tell their parents, can we walk to school rather than take the car? Can we walk to the shops and pick up some food rather than taking the car down the road to the shops? Yes, it takes a bit longer, but it's much more beneficial for the environment. Um, it's things like reducing the amount of meat that we, we, we eat. So children can have an effect on their parents. They ask them, okay, what do you want for, for food this tonight or this week? Let's think, can we cut out one meal of, of meat a week? Just small little steps. And small little steps add up to much, much bigger changes. I would say um, teachers can help children, say, write letters to their MP or write letters to Boris Johnson saying how passionately they feel about climate change and how they don't want a world that is absolutely wrecked where civilization has changed beyond any measure of what we, we recognize now. They want their politicians to act. They want their adults that are supposed to be much more wise and knowledgeable than them to actually take action and to change the course. They want to follow Greta. So they want to listen to a young voice that's sort of speaking the truth. She's bringing in the science. She's not just coming up with some crazy theory. Science is about evidence. We look for evidence. We make theories based on evidence. And the science is clear. It's, it's not 100% that catastrophe will happen, but it's a likely possibility at this current point in time if we continue on the tra trajectory we're going. So if we can limit climate, um, like global temperatures rising, we have a chance to stave off the absolute worst effects of climate change. Mm, yeah, it's just, it's instilling a habit, isn't it, for when they get older, that they're going to be thinking about this kind of thing and being able to take steps because nobody's going to be able to do everything. No. But the more we can all do the small things, it's really going to add up, isn't it? But the COVID pandemic, if it's taught us anything, is that mass change and mass change in behavior can happen if the will is there. And because mm. COVID was such an immediate threat to say the NHS, we all took the advice that we were told, stay indoors, stop our mixing to protect other people. We could argue that climate change is going to have an even worse effect than like five, yeah. 10 million people dying from a, a virus. This could be hundreds of millions. This could be billions of people. We might not be able to feed our own population in 20, 30 years time. Whole countries like the Maldives could be underwater and absolutely don't exist anymore. There'll be people moving from different places on earth because they can't live in like 40, 50 degree temperatures. So you have mass mm. migration. If we think we've got a problem with migrating people now, we'll have an even bigger problem. So it's in all our interest to actually act now. Yeah, I think the hardest thing is, is when COVID, for example, you feel, obviously you can't necessarily see it, but you feel like it's imminent. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, I suppose, easier to kind of follow, I suppose you could say the guidelines, but I think about this quite a bit, you know, 
especially from a business perspective because that's how my mind works yeah. but the problem is convenience we mm. have got used to so much convenience and we want convenience and it's how we present affordable convenience that doesn't involve some of the things that we're used to um because i you know like i've switched to a milkman yeah. because i get in glass bottles mm-hmm. they've got this tiny bit of foil to recycle and i love yep. that um but obviously it is more expensive so trying to to work out how we're going to do it like how do, how do we have takeaways where they're going to come in glass and wood containers that then we can return or they pick up how how is that all going to work but we need to start thinking about it well i think um where there's problems there's definitely uh, money to be made from solutions so if someone does come up with a really good solution to that problem then that business is going to be absolutely flying um just yeah. think about say the plastic packaging like the milk milk bottles that were in the tetra packs and things like that um that became a revolutionary idea now we need another revolutionary idea so i think it's the same for businesses we need to be sort of minded as what is the changes that could occur in the future how can we drive those changes how can we innovate where we are actually leading uh, our consumers to a more sustainable future a better future for the environment but also we're actually making a business from it so i mean no business overnight is going to ditch something that's uh in demand and they're selling a product but there is scope to lead and forge a new path yeah yeah i completely agree right okay so where can we find out more about you so um i'm basically a a former teacher that's left the classroom now and i've um gonna run my business full-time it's called green apple education and you could find us at www.greenappleeducation.co.uk UK and we've launched a really exciting new brand that's aimed at young people about 9 to 12 year olds and we're looking at bringing resources to them that actually will help them find out about current scientific issues so i think part of the problem is that the science taught in the classroom is not always up to date it's part of the key stage 2 curriculum so at mm-hmm. phosphor our brand so it's www.phosphor com. so it's a play on phosphorescence so it's like a glowing it's a glowing brand to inspire young scientists into studying science and finding out more about science and you can uh, download these resources and use them in the classroom they'll inspire young people to take care about the environment about the health about global warming about climate change and it will bring in current science into the classroom to supplement the key stage two curriculum. Brilliant. Right. Thank you so much. This has uh, been such a good chat. I'm going to go away and think about using my glass more than my plastic. <laughs> Very good. And um, drive my electric car a bit more. Uh, to be fair, we only use that car anyway, which is why we sell the other one. But I'm going to sell it <laughs> <laughs> this week. Yes, I would definitely agree. You should sell it um, and then think more about, okay, yes, we've got a car, but do we actually need to use that car for every single journey that we go on? Could we walk? Could we go on public transport? Could we um, like go for a bike ride? Could we do something different that will help our health as well as helping the environment? Yeah. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thanks for having me, Claire. Thank you for listening. The Teachers Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.